It's Cardboard Time, episode number 68, and I'm your host, Arwen Kathke. On today's episode, we have reviews of Amsterdam, Tabble, and Power Plants. This is going to be a little bit shorter episode today. I didn't have a huge amount of time to coordinate a guest. Had a lot of things going on. Uh, Personally, all of them good. Uh, A lot of seeing friends and family. Uh, getting out, hanging out around the Cleveland area, so uh, not a huge amount of time to work on the show, but I do have a lot of really cool stuff that I'm going to be coordinating and bringing to you a lot of very exciting news I can't quite talk about yet, um, but looking forward to the things that we are going to be talking about very soon. So let's talk about the Shelf of Shame. It is down by one. It is at 151. One new game acquired. I did purchase her story. Uh, This was discounted off of Amazon. Normally, I don't purchase things on Amazon, but this was over half off. And I wanted to play this one. I have wanted to play this for quite a while. It seems very splendor its mechanics and maybe doesn't bring a huge amount that's new to the table but i think the theme is going to be where this shines so i'm very interested to play it and have wanted to get it out to the table for a long time so glad that it is in my collection and then two shelf of shame games played those being amsterdam and power plants that we will be talking about on this episode So let's get right into those reviews. The first game up is going to be Amsterdam from 2022. This is one to four players, 60 to 120 minutes, designed by Stefan Feld. The art is by Christian Fiore, Clemens Franz, Patricia Limberger, and Andreas Resch, uh, published by Queen Games. So Amsterdam is a re-implementation of Macau with a new setting, improved car balance, and new gameplay elements. It does challenge players to build a combination of abilities as well as to correctly calculate the advantage of delayed gratification for actions. In the game, players are merchants in Amsterdam near the turn of the 20th century. At the start of the game, two district cards are placed on each of the 12 spaces on the designated board. At the beginning of a round, the next two district cards, as well as two building and two profession cards, uh, depending on player count, each from a deck of 54 of each type, are drawn to form the offer of six cards. Each of these cards has a cost in colored action cubes and grants a new action, special ability, or way to score points. In turn order, each player takes a card from those on offer. Finally, a market card is revealed that allows players to exchange money for victory points on their turn. Next, the six dice are rolled. Each player decides which of the six dice they would like, and players may choose the same die, then takes as many action cubes in that color as the number of pips. So if you get a five, you would take five action cubes of that color. Players will place their new action cubes on their rotatable windrows as many spaces in the future as the number on the dice. Finally, the wheel is spun so that players gain access to all cubes that were located on the one space of their windrows. So it's this little rondelle kind of thing uh, that mechanically rotates around and 
when you're taking cubes, you're going to be placing it a certain amount of rounds in the future that you're going to get those. If you do take one cube, it's going to go on the one space. You are going to get it that round. Two cubes, it's going to go on the two space. You're going to get it in the next round and so on and so forth. Action cubes are used to purchase cards that a player has taken, claim one of the nine types of goods around the city of Amsterdam, and ferry goods or workers through canals to warehouses. Players earn points by delivering their goods, as well as for bonuses on cards they purchase, and the player with the most points at the 12th round wins. So I got this as part of the City Collection Kickstarter. I paid a ton of money uh, for those four games. A huge Steffenfeld fan in me. I absolutely adore the man's work. Um, so I, I was very interested to see these games kind of come back to life. And one of them being Marrakesh is brand new. Um, so I, I wanted to get these into my collection. They're all very hard to find in their old form. So it was nice that they were getting re-released. Now, this is the deluxe edition. I went all out. Um, it was kind of a transition present to myself. Um, you know, it was right around that time at, uh, you know, the pretty much the beginning of the pandemic that the Kickstarter launched. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to do this for myself. Um, so I will be reviewing the components based on my experience with that. Uh, just to let you know, there is a standard and a deluxe edition. Uh, there are differences. The star of the show in this game is going to be that Windrose I talked about. And it's such a unique mechanism. Uh, I'd love to see this used more. It really made you think and it really made you plan about what you were going to take, when you were going to take it. You didn't necessarily always want to take the highest value, uh, depending on the cards in your hand, what you wanted to do, what you wanted to uh, buy, what you were going to transport. So there were a lot of different considerations that you had to consider based on um, you know, what you took off of the goods board and then put into your windrows because the more cubes that you took, the further out into the future you were going to have to put them and the more delay that you were going to have to, um, you know, kind of wait for to get those cubes back and be able to use them. It was a really, really unique mechanism. I would love to see this in uh, more games because I, I thought that this was extremely clever. The engine building with the cards was okay. You're gonna draft a card at the beginning of the round. I did feel like this felt more like an obligation and not necessarily something that I could really truly build out how I wanted. Um, you know, I, there is a, a little bit of a, a points um, penalty, depending on things that you don't do. So if you don't have a, a set of cubes in your windrows when that turns around and you have something become available, you take one of these penalty tokens. If you go more than five cards out that you have in your queue waiting to be built uh, with those cubes, and you can't build anything, then you're going to have to take one of these penalty tokens. And these penalty tokens were huge. There were huge, huge penalties 
to getting these. And it only took like four before you just suffered a massive, massive penalty by taking these. So um, it really did feel like something that you were trying to balance, trying to get a good engine going along with not trying to get penalties. And both of us, I, I played this with Jordan, both of us really kind of stayed more towards that penalty avoidance side of things. Um, so that I did feel a little bit mixed about. It was okay, um, but I didn't feel great about it. The area control element of this, uh, you will have different districts and uh, one of them is going to be scored in a two-player game, and then as you go up to more players, you are going to be scoring more of those. I felt that the area control in this was really inconsequential in the two-player game. Um, you only got five points for controlling the district. You only had one district. Um, I would like to see this played at a higher player count. I feel like this would shine more. Uh, and you would have a little bit more to control. I don't really know why you couldn't have more districts up for grabs with this area control mechanic with the two-player game and just keep it to the one player that controls the most has five. Um, that way you're vying for a little bit more. It becomes a little bit more interesting. There's a little bit more tension as opposed to Somebody who's just going to go and control the area and the other player is going to say, well, you have that. So I'm going to go off and do all this other cool stuff over here. Uh, the pick up and deliver mechanism. So the goods that you're picking up uh, in the cities and then you're delivering to the different warehouses. I thought it was fine. Um, you know, I enjoyed it. I thought it served what it needed to, but it didn't really kind of fill that need of like something different like I usually feel with a Feld game. Uh, it just felt fine. It felt okay. It was something to do with those goods I was acquiring down in the city. And I was just kind of acquiring those goods, you know, to um, basically spend cubes and uh, have some, you know, points I was going to be able to uh, get by delivering things to the warehouse. So it it was okay. Um, I didn't think it was great. I did feel um, like this was a really cool central mechanism in search of a game to surround it. And, you know, those points with the area control to pick up and deliver, there were a lot of different mechanics here that were in search of... Um, it, they, they were basically supporting a really cool central mechanism, and that was the star of the show. Um, I, I think a lot of Stefan Feld games really sing together very well. Like, his better games just work together. Everything's interconnected. You're doing, um, you know, one thing that combos into another, and there's a little bit of combo potential, but not as much as I would have liked to have seen. Everything felt a little bit more disjointed. Um and, and I felt like there could have been something better here uh, to surround that that central mechanism. So I would have liked to have seen everything work together and flow a little bit better. Uh, as far as production-wise, uh, in the deluxe version, the acrylic tiles were nice, very well produced. 
The board design's just bland. I, I've come to expect that with a dry Euro. We're, we're kind of used to it at this point. Um, but the acrylic tiles were very nice. They did look nice on the board. Uh, it was something that, that kind of uh, spruced up things a little bit more uh, than normal. And I do have a major complaint with this game. Uh, the cubes and color vision issues with this game are very, very real. The pink and the gray cubes, for me, were nearly indecipherable. Um, you put them next to each other on the resource board, so they just sit together next to each other. You can't distinguish them, so they're like intermixing. I'm trying to figure out which one I'm taking. I can't figure this out. Like, I'm looking at it. The dice were very nicely distinguished. Uh, the gray die used black pips. The pink die used white pips. I thought that that was great. Um, the color cubes just needed to be color matched a little bit better to those dice. I feel like if they had done that, it would have been a much, much better production. I feel like things would have been, you know, much easier to kind of distinguish from one another. And I really kind of avoided the pink resources in favor of the gray resources. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to concentrate on the gray resources. I'm going to leave the pink resources alone because I can't distinguish between them. And I think having to do that takes part of the fun of the game away from me. I was able to do that. I was able to win doing that. Um, but if that option hadn't presented itself to me, I would have really, really felt bad about this. Um, and I did feel bad about spending a lot of money on a deluxe version of a game only to have it go in and and to have to do that, to have to make that choice between resources and basically say, I'm only going to take one because I can't figure these out uh, between each other. So for my final thoughts, this is not my favorite Feld, um, and most of that was due to how disjointed the mechanics felt from one another, but I would highly recommend people try this Windrose element, and I would highly recommend that everybody kind of play this once. You know, get a friend that's got it. Uh, you don't need the deluxe edition. You can just go with the regular edition. That is completely fine uh, with this game, I feel. And try this mechanic out because it's really fascinating. It's really cool. Unfortunately, the game that's surrounding it was a little bit lackluster. And I, I was so disappointed that there just could have been a little bit more. Get those mechanics kind of integrated a little bit better, singing along to each other a little bit more. And I think this one could have been so, so cool. But... Um, unfortunately, because of that, it does lay very, very low on my list of favorite felds. It's down, you know, kind of with the Trajans and, and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, unfortunately, this will stay in my collection. Um, this is going to be at the, the bottom, but it is going to stay in my collection uh, just for that mechanic alone. And the fact that it's part of the set and I can't really get rid of this one as part of the set. I've got like, you know, Steffenfeld's signature on it. I've got the signature coins. I got all this stuff for it. And I suppose I could get rid of it, but um, it's going to stay in my collection for now just because I want people to see this mechanic. It is so cool. 
Um, I think that you would have a ton of fun by taking a look at this one. This was Amsterdam. And let's talk about Tapple from 2021. Uh, two to 10 players, plays in 30 minutes. The designer is uncredited, and it is published by the op. Now, each round in Tapple, one player is going to draw a topic card and then start the timer. In the next 10 seconds, that player must give a single word answer that fits within the topic. Press down the letter key on a special electronic device that corresponds to the first letter of that word, and then restart the timer. The next player must then think of a word for the topic that starts with a different letter, pressing down that letter and restarting the timer. So you're just gonna be going around, pressing down the letters. The letters are gonna stay depressed and you're gonna start running out of letters to uh, make words for. If a player runs out of time, they're out of the round. If only one player remains in a round, they collect the topic card. If players manage to press down all the letters before knocking all but one player out of a round, the players reset the device, draw a new topic card, start the timer again, this time having to give two answers for that topic, each starting with a different letter within the allotted time. And then whoever collects the most topic cards, we were playing two, three, uh, for a round wins. Now this was a review copy of the game. This did come from the op, so Thank you to the op for sending this over for me to take a look at. I have to admit, I wasn't super excited to play this game when it came in. Um, it was very easy to dismiss, and I've done this with games before. I know that I shouldn't. I should be better about this. It's just another party word game. You know, it's just another little electronic device. It's a gimmick. Um, we had a lot of fun with this. Um, it was very frantic. It was very fun. Um, I will say that this is not going to be for those who don't like real-time games. This goes fast. Those 10 seconds go like crazy, and you're probably going to lock up a couple of times, you know, while you're playing, like trying to, you know, think of how much time do I have, and then you're not thinking about the word that you're trying to think of, so... Um, you kind of have to have a clear head with that. It, it's really a, a very much mind game uh, kind of thing that you're trying to do with yourself. Um, but yeah, very frantic, very fun. Uh, this is harder than you think it's going to be, even with the easy categories. You're going to start running out of those letters. Uh, the easy words are going to stop, you know, coming to you. You're going to think about something that somebody else had and have it in your mind and then stop thinking of new ones um, and then sit on that. And unfortunately, those are the ones that people usually wind up coming up with. And then you're screwed because you don't have that letter. Um, we played this for about a half an hour. It was enough for three rounds. Um, then we kind of had enough for the night before we moved on to something else. Um, you know, so I, I think this is going to be a shorter one. This is going to be something that you're not going to want to play for hours and hours and hours and hours on end unless you're having like a, a very casual night or you're a family. I think this would do well for families. Um, the age on the box of eight plus is pretty appropriate. Um... You know, you don't really want to get into any lower than that, I think, uh, that, and 
honestly, it depends on, you know, what you think your child's abilities are. Um, but I, I do think that this would be really good for families. Um, I think this would be a, a really solid opener. Um, if you have a family that likes a real quick time game or a group that's in search of a very high energy, high tension opener, um, this one I will be keeping around. Um, there's not a huge amount to say about it because it is a very simple game, not a huge amount of strategy, just trying to quickly think up of as much stuff as you can. But yeah, I did have a much better time with this than I thought I was going to. And uh, Jordan and I both really, really said that we were very surprised with how much we liked this one. Uh, so that was Tapple. And then finally, let's talk about Power Plants. This was from 2022. Uh, one to five players, 30 minutes, designed by Adam E. Dalton. The art is by Apolline Etienne and published by KTBG. Now, every wizard in the neighborhood knows that the best spell components are grown fresh. Unfortunately, only one particular plot of fertile soil in the area is best for growing magical plants. Everyone agrees to share the garden, but you have a plan. Your loyal team of sprites will use the powers of the plants to infiltrate the garden as it grows so that when everything is in full bloom, the most potent patches will belong to you. In Power Plants, you are a wizard growing a shared garden of magical plants with your rivals. Each turn, you choose one of the patch tiles from your hand and add it to the growing garden. You can activate the added tiles for its dynamic plant power, or you can activate all the tiles that it touches for their slightly weaker, but still very powerful, uh, grow powers. As the fields expand, you'll strategically deploy your sprites to gain control of more and more of the fantastic flora. Will your magical horticulture skills pay off? Manipulate the garden's growth, gather magical gems, and deploy your team of loyal sprites to repel your competition and be in control of the most valuable fields when the garden is complete. So this one I had my eye on for a little while. I did not uh, pick this up when it was um, on Kickstarter, I believe. Um, and then I did wait a little while after it was released uh, to pick this up. So this was on sale. And then the deluxe version was on sale on top of that. So uh, this is for the deluxe version, just so that you know the review is based on that. There are some component differences to what I had, namely in the shape of the sprites, which we, we will be talking about at the end of this review. Um, so the core mechanism of this is area control. Uh, you're going to be placing down sprites. You're going to be placing down tiles. And then these areas are going to grow and you're trying to control bigger areas or a ton of little small areas, depending on your strategy. Um, so at the end of the day, this is a area control game at its core. It is a bit difficult to explain the grow versus the plant functions to the table. Um, but one thing that I did find that was very, very helpful was the reference sheet. And you use that to illustrate that to everybody the grow function, 
you basically go and you have your um, all the tiles that this uh, plant is touching and you're going to use all of those powers as opposed to plant, which is just the single um, thing that you put down. So that single tile, you get to use that and it's super powerful versus a bunch of little tiny actions, which again, were still very powerful. Um, after that, the turn structure was super easy to understand. You would go, you would take a tile, put it down, either plant or grow, and then take a tile from the bag. So uh, kind of a hallmark of KTVG games. Again, you know, we've, we've said it on the show before, um, but it's a very easy turn structure, something that doesn't have a lot of steps. You're able to go and do uh, a turn and then you're done and it's really easy to, to kind of scale from there. Uh, this did take most of a game before I immediately knew which tile that I wanted to play due to the different powers. Uh, there is a beginner mode where you can kind of go and say, I'm not going to take the uh, the weaker uh, grow powers. I'm just going to use the plant powers as you're getting used to things. We felt that because we played games on a regular basis that we were going to be able to just kind of go with both and say we're good we don't have to take you know the beginner mode or anything um and, and part of me is glad that we did that but part of me also said that it might have even been a little bit too much for us um because it it did result in a little bit of ap i think this took most of the game before i kind of knew okay i'm placing this tile I know which tiles are gonna be surrounding it. I can make this decision pretty quickly. Um, this will run long for those who are AP prone if they really wanna analyze everything. Um, to those who have played at least once before, I do think that that 30 minute uh, kind of time frame is gonna be very, very accurate. Um, but to those who haven't played, it's probably going to be more like 45 minutes to an hour because you're going to be looking at everything, analyzing everything, looking at the chart, trying to figure what you want to do, that kind of thing. Um, so it it highly depends. Once you got it down, you've got it down. It's good. Um, but if you're AP prone and you really want to make sure that you uh, take a look at everything, the field does get big. There's a lot of decisions that you can make. Um, and, and I do think that that could be an issue for you. This can get very interactive. If you're averse to player interaction, an area control game probably isn't the greatest game that you want to play, uh, the greatest type of game anyways. Um, but just be warned about that. If you are averse to that player interaction, you prefer more of a solitaire uh, kind of game. This is very in your face. You're going to go and it's not super mean spirited about it, uh, but you are going to go. You're going to take your opponent's uh, sprites off. You're going to put your own on there. You're constantly going to be battling for these different areas. Um, that said, I thought that this was very unique, very clever area control due to the fact that you're building your areas as you go. So you're placing tiles, you're building out this area, uh, everything is emerging. You can either choose to build off of an existing area to make an area bigger, um, you know, and, and potentially sacrifice a better combination of abilities. 
Um, or you can go and you can prevent an area from getting bigger uh, that you know that your opponent is going to go in and control. So I did really, really like that. I thought that that was super unique. I think that is going to be the special sauce in this game uh, that I'm really taking away from it is that emergent area control. And I did really, really like that. Um, I do really also appreciate the fact that in the deluxe version anyway, there were no color vision issues for me. Each sprite was a different shape. Uh, so that was very much appreciated. Um, in the base game and the standard version, the cubes, as far as I understand, are, uh, or the sprites are cubes. Um, so you don't have that different shape to differentiate, but in that deluxe edition, you are going to go and get those different shapes. So you should not have a, uh, issue with those color vision, uh, problems that we, we sometimes have, uh, as evidenced by Amsterdam. Um, so balancing when to grow versus when to plant was also a very juicy decision. I liked, uh, that decision space where I was trying to figure out, okay, do I want to grow? Do I want to plant? Uh, which tile do I want to put down uh, so that I can make the most of this? That kind of thing. Um, so that was that was a very juicy decision. Really like that. Um, and I think this game is really best when you don't overanalyze, you don't overplan. You're not going to be taking those super, super long turns um, You know where you're taking every single combination that you could possibly get and try to figure out the best one. Um, just go kind of look at the board, take a look at the state, see what you got, see what you can put down, and then do your turn. Uh, you do that, this game is going to fly. Um, and you're going to have a really good time too. So as far as my final thoughts go, I didn't necessarily grok the strategy at all on this. Um, Allie wound up really, really beating me bad at this game. Um, I think I had like 17 and she wound up with like 40 points or something. Um, I definitely misplayed some stuff. But at the same time, even though I lost horribly, I came out of the experience definitely wanting to play again, which I feel is very important when it comes to is this a good game? Is this something that isn't for me? Um, this was for me, uh, because I just want to play again. I want to know what, it, what could I do different? What could I, uh, possibly change? And I like that about that. So this one is definitely sticking around. Uh, if you like area control, you want that twist that KTBG is going to put on it. Um, you know, you want that, uh, scalable rule set where you can kind of go and say, hey, we're just going to play with this one ability. So if you put this down, um, you know, this is what you're going to do. I do think that that is that is going to be for you. Um, and again, KTBG does that so incredibly well. Love to see it. Uh, that was Power Plants. So I think that's going to do it for us for today. Uh, take a look at our website at CardboardTime.com. Our Instagram and Twitter is at Cardboard underscore Time. And I have a blue sky now because I have no idea what the heck is going to happen to Twitter. Uh, that is at Cardboard Time. It is no underscore there. 
Uh, and any questions, suggestions, or ideas for discussion topics, please email cardboardtime at gmail.com. Uh, really excited for some of the things that are coming up. Really excited about a couple of the interviews that are coming up uh, that I will not spoil. A couple of people know what I'm talking about. Uh, but as always, thanks again for listening. And we'll see you around the table in two weeks for another episode of Cardboard Time. Cardboard Time.